Welcome to B2B Weekly. Every Wednesday, Marty Sanchez and I, Nemanja Živković, will be your host in a weekly Q&A where we talk all B2B related things. From sales, demand generation, social media, personal branding, lead generation, we focus on real examples, on real case studies, and we share things we only share with our team. So you get to see the way we grow our companies, the way we do marketing for our clients, you get to see everything. And not only that, you get a chance to jump on the call with us, ask questions live and share your perspective on the topic. If you are an executive, marketeer or salesperson, this is for you. Welcome to the B2B Weekly. How's everything going, my man? Everything's going going well. I'm just looking at, at the LinkedIn message and uh, happy that it confirms all the things that, that I'm doing, that we're talking about. So uh, let me give you a little context. So um, a girl, uh, I added a girl, a lady, I don't know, uh, like at the end of July and on LinkedIn, uh, she's a CTO of a company and she sent me a message like, I'm uh, interested, uh, I saw uh, what you're doing, I'm interested in the way that you work. Do you accept short-term clients or long-term clients? How does it go? Do you have like a person which is uh, in charge of the account? And those kind of things, I explain everything and she said, cool, thank you. And I forgot about it. And today she sent me a message, look, like we are uh, looking after somebody to, uh, to take in charge of, of the marketing part, possibly somebody to hire, but use that uh, information to pitch on our CEO because me as a CTO want to work with you. Right. So uh, that's like great, especially if a CTO approaches somebody who is like, from marketing, usually you don't want somebody from who is CTO on the meeting when you when you are trying to sell your services. So uh, just like some uh, simple little things that I'm seeing daily that uh, are proving that what we are doing is working. Yeah, uh, yes, yeah, small small wins like that can make a, a big difference. Um, so are they looking for somebody full time or? Do you think they're going to be okay with like hiring uh, an agency? No idea. I'm going to check it out, I think. Yeah, you have nothing to lose. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so so I saw today we have a lot of questions from, from that LinkedIn yeah. post of yours, right? I just wanted to say hi to some of the uh, people that we have here for the first time. So welcome. Uh, good to have you on board and like happy to, to answer some of your questions as well uh, at the, the second part of the, of the session. Absolutely. Let's get into it. Um, do you have the questions that people sent over, Amaya? Yeah, just, uh, just a second. There is one that, uh, that actually the first one that I would like us to, to chat about. There were a lot of questions. So I think we'll have uh, topics to talk about in the next few episodes. Uh, but uh, the first one came from, uh, from Dan, 
then pass it. Uh, it says, can you go into the topic of attribution and best models, last touch, first touch, shared, uh, and so on. So uh, I think that is something that, uh, that we can jam a little bit uh, about. My idea was to uh, actually explain a little bit what is marketing attribution and uh, like which models we can use and then like we can we can get into into how we are approaching it and uh, like our overview of it that's good yep okay so basically uh basically marketing attributions uh can be can be defined as a like system of determining which marketing touch points lead to a conversion or uh subsequently assigning like a special specific like percentage of attribution to each contribution contributing touch point so uh as simple as that so we can see which uh which which channel which medium is uh contributing uh to the to the conversions and then we can uh we can use our budget to uh to amplify those channels that are working that are working the best so uh basically there are like i think six types of marketing attribution models i know a few which are like the most often one first one is one touch attribution models and usually those are like the first and the and the last touch right the first one is um, the one that assigns all credits to the first touch point that leads to to let's say a prospect to an uh, conversion which will eventually happen um, and basically we uh, I can add an example like uh, a prospect sees a paid Facebook ad for let's say uh, a blog post about uh, I don't know uh, five things that uh, that SEO need to do to leverage LinkedIn right some of the topics that we will talk about and uh, so they click on the ad and ultimately they, they read the blog post uh, when they finish reading they subscribe to your newsletter and like two three weeks after that uh, they open up uh, like your email for the upcoming let's say webinar about something and then they convert on a webinar so first touch attribution if we are measuring that then facebook ads gave us that that client that conversion um, second one less touch attribution in this same example it would be a webinar so the last touch that uh, is leading to a conversion uh, but those are like for some simple okay we have uh, <laughs> somebody talking no worries. Um, and then we have like multi-touch attribution models which uh, they give credit to each piece of content or channel uh, that a prospect is interacting with uh, when they are like going to their journey to the to the final conversion and usually those are the ones that, uh, that most of the people are using or they are mixing 
few of them. So first, multi-touch is uh, linear. When we have, um, basically they assign equal credit to every touch point in a, in a, in a journey. Uh, in, in this specific example, so like Facebook ads, so uh, email marketing, uh, a blog or the website, they all have the equal uh, contribution. Uh, another one is time decay attribution, when basically uh, we give, um, we actually give the most credit to the, to the channels or pieces of content that are uh, at the end or uh, close to the conversion point. So they rise uh, as the time goes. And like we have some, some others which are like more like custom, custom attributions when we, when we do something custom. Uh, and like one that is also common is position-based uh, attribution, which is like uh, you attribution where we have the, last, the first touch and the last touch. But uh, to understand everything right, basically we need to uh, we need to compare at least two or three uh, attribution models, so we can we can see how how it goes through the through the campaigns, and uh, even that can be like deciding factor for a for a CMO or somebody who is in charge of the marketing budget to see. Um, how they will allocate the budget. But um, if we have like uh, multiple touch points, we have like SEO, advertising, Facebook advertising, PPC, uh, blog, social, all, then we can add also uh, like offline events, webinars. We have like so many, so many channels. And uh, in that case, or we have like multiple campaigns on one channel as like, like PPC, we need to get deeper into specific channel, into specific medium, into specific content, and see if something is working or not. Because in one way, if you look overall like the huge picture, something that is uh, like, looks like is not bringing the, uh, the conversions, might be something that is performing the best when it comes to uh, brand awareness, and we don't see it if we look at it from, from uh, one model. So that's why we need, it's not that easy and it's, uh, it's a little bit complicated. And I will just share my screen for a second and then we can, we can jam a little bit about it because it gave us a great, gives us a great overview. Uh, man, you need to give me share screen option. Yeah, also what I, what I would like to say that now you have that option like to measure attribution in a... Can you try now? Yeah, it's, it's cool. Uh, you can actually measure it in your uh, Google Analytics. So it, that's cool. Let me just... Ah, I like this. I found this one and I think it's, it's interesting and it's cool that we can take a look at it and just jam a little bit about it. Uh, on the left side, you can see uh, like multiple touch points in the organization. So there's a, there's a business that has a need for a product. There's an IT influence review. There's a head of 
IT, let's say like shortlist, and then we have like a decision maker. So uh, first touch would measure only things that uh, that are like giving us the, the wider the wider picture that we actually have have a problem and uh, so it will create like awareness and this is this is the part when we when we uh, start creating the demand the next one uh, would be like the lead generation part which uh, can be used as a as a last touch also. So uh, what is interesting here is uh, that if you go after after leads, well, you have like, uh, you see when, when you get you get those, they're far away from being from being uh, in a position to to buy or have enough to buy. So in most cases, those are like MQLs. So people who are here to be to get more education but not to uh, to buy uh, the third one is like uh, where we actually get people let's say on a webinar on a demo somebody who is interesting in our services and then at the end we we convert them uh, what is interesting here on this picture is that you can see that some some of the channels are uh, in each stage of the buyer's journey. So like LinkedIn, like your website, like Google, those kind of things are uh, in each part of the buyer's journey. And this is exactly actually what I wanted to say and how we do it. Basically we use just, I would say two main, uh, two main attribution channels and that both of them are organic one of them is like website and uh, one of them is is LinkedIn we have like YouTube also but it's not like something that uh, drives our focus so most of our leads are coming through LinkedIn also on the other hand they are uh, they are coming through uh, organic mostly because uh, we uh, educate them enough or got them interesting or they get to know us so we create a relationship on LinkedIn and then they, they reached out to us uh, organically like going through the, through the Google search and typing my name on typing the name Funky Marketing coming to the website and converting or on the other hand just um, reaching out directly on LinkedIn and that's it. Just wanted to share a little perspective uh, of how it goes uh, for the funky marketing. We are not sharing like CTAs, not asking people to come to the website to convert. We have like in our featured sector on LinkedIn, uh, contact us page with a, with the thumbnail that says, this is where you start growing your business. Usually that's one of the, of the points where it, where it goes. And, uh, we just create quality content. The only CTA that we have is come to this B2B weekly with Marty and me and just uh, let's talk about different topics, help uh, you or help, we help uh, each other mutually solve certain problems and, and that's it basically. And what happens when you educate people enough, when your content is good, you just go, uh, you just get, uh, 
how you said, automate the, the schedule calls and 90% of the time those are like uh, SQLs or people who are ready to buy your services. Right now, uh, to uh, commit to a long-term cooperation and people who are not going anywhere else except uh, to you directly, they're not looking uh, to choose between few other agencies. That's just my perspective of it. Marty, you can. Yeah, so I have a couple questions. Um, first question is, what, um, if any, technology do you use to uh, track uh, attribution? Because uh, we've used uh, HubStab, HubStab for a few clients, HubSpot. So what are you using in terms of tech, if anything at all, because I don't think that's uh, extremely needed in m many cases. And when do you think companies should invest into software that helps track attribution? Yeah, basically, um, we are measuring if people are consuming the content, either here on LinkedIn, uh, here on here on YouTube, when we when we post like the, the videos from from this, these events uh, on, the, on the website, if they are consuming the content when it comes to certain pages or when it comes to the blog. I mean, we have a lot of copy on, the, on each page. So um, the first thing I did when we created the website, I installed Hotjar, so I'm following if people are reading the content. Basically, they're going with, uh, with the mouse just sentence after sentence and uh, reading everything. And uh, hmm, I, can, I can even, because I'm sharing the screen, I just, we can, we can show uh, some of the things. I don't have like the revenue because I don't, uh, our pricing just go from uh, 800 euros to, to more than uh, 3,000, so I don't have it here. I could add like an average uh, thing, but I don't need to. So uh, just wanted to show you how does it look like and how you can measure it in, in G-Analytics. Uh, here you can see basically people are coming uh, organic and we don't do any SEO. So those people who are coming organic are people who are uh, basically coming uh, when they get to know us and learn about what we can offer on LinkedIn or here on, on this like uh, podcast or Q&A, however do we call it, then social uh, and of course like direct. Uh, and what you can do here is uh, you can choose the attribution model. So you have data-driven, first click, last click, linear or position-based. Uh, for us, most of them are like the, the same. What we are measuring is uh, like few things, not many of them. I don't think we, we need it. We're measuring uh, people coming to, to contact us page, people who spend more than uh, three minutes on the website, who spend more than five minutes on the website, and uh, people who are visiting more than uh, two pages on the, on the website. So basically, simple goals, nothing, nothing much. We just want to see if people are really 
consuming the content. And uh, you can also uh, measure pet length. Uh, on the right side, let's say you can say greater than two points attribution. And uh, when you do that, you see how, how this it goes. If people are coming only directly to the website, then you see only direct. If they're coming using multiple attribution channels, then you have, you have more information. You can track also the conversion lag. So basically days to conversion are usually two. Uh, and length to conversion. That's when you point. say conversion, you mean like uh, submitting uh, the form? Yeah, those those that, I, that I just mentioned. In, in my case, those are the conversion, but you can set up whatever you, you think that you need to, uh, to measure. So basically touch points uh, and also what you can do, I think this is, this is really good, and you can uh, like compare two, two models. So uh, just a little overview of that. Uh, we don't need actually to measure many things because we know that uh, our clients are on LinkedIn. So we go all in on LinkedIn and this is where, where everything is coming. So we create good content. Through good content, we are going uh, after building the brand. While we are doing that, we are, clients are coming to us, we are converting and growing, that's it. Um, to, to what extent do you think marketers, B2B marketers should focus on attribution? Because we don't focus much on it either. We're yeah, like, small, right? We, we are a small, a small agency, you're, you're right. Um, and there's other things to focus. But like to what I understand that attribution is important so that you can decide which channels do you want to amplify and over index on. Uh, but, but I think there's a lot of things in terms of like where the clients are coming that you cannot gather from an attribution report for their HubSpot or Google Analytics and all that. Uh, something I, I often talk about is like dark attribution, right? Like things that you cannot measure, but that are consequential to the to eventually converting people right if if my employee looks up your website and then he tells me and I look up like that that transfer between my employee and and me is is hard to be measured yeah um a referral right like you telling me use this or use that it might look like organic search because you told me like for example you told me the other day to watch like that link to watch NBA games right if I was the marketer for that website, it would seem like it, my going there is organic. So they think that their SEO is killing it versus what really happened is word of mouth and referral, yeah. right? So it's, it's hard to measure a lot of these things. Um, for some things, you need to just um, follow the feeling, right? Uh, and what I do, I talk to the current and potential clients daily. So I talk to a lot of people, all of them, no matter if they're like marketers, salespeople, CEOs, or they're like uh, business developers, uh, all of them are our potential clients right. because they can refer to somebody else or like uh, we, we do something that we can also uh, sell to a 
marketing agencies or some some other companies. But so I hear a lot of uh, a lot of insights from the clients. Basically, the one that I told you uh, at the start. A lot of others. How did they find us? Like last week, I heard that uh, I was approached with a potential clients. I think they're they will be the client like in a day or two. Uh, but they told me like they uh, wanted to approach me like two and a half months ago, but they didn't because uh, they weren't ready for that. Uh, they didn't know what do they want uh, from the marketing side, what are their goals, they need to align everything. And now when they did, they approached me directly and okay, this is something that we want to do. We know what you're doing, just elaborate and let's work together. Right, I, I definitely think attribution, because I, I think I was looking at some of the people commenting on your LinkedIn posts and a lot of them are marketers. So mm -hmm. if I... As a marketer, I think it's a tool that you need to have in your repertoire. Like you need to understand how attribution works, the models that you mentioned, like that. You have to know the basics. But after that, you cannot be just data driven to make your decisions. Like there's a part that's qualitative and that it's feeling based, right? Intuition as a marketer and talking to different people and learning from where they're coming. And then there's a the part that data shows, but the data doesn't show the full picture. And it's something that I see a lot of marketers, especially those that come from like a numbers side, that they get really nerded out on, on the details and numbers. And then they miss out on that, what you're feeling, what your gut is telling you. And as a marketer, if you're a creative individual, that's probably your biggest strength. So finding the right balance is, is what I would yeah. recommend to marketers. And some things you can see, let's say we are on LinkedIn already and talking about it. Um, I mean, you can see when people are tagging other people in your posts, like usually it's the decision makers or somebody who is in charge of, of that part of the work. Um, when people are sharing your posts, what are their comments when they are sharing it? I mean, it means that you're bringing value. And if they're sharing the post, it means that they started to look at you as somebody who is teaching them something. And uh, those are all like the main points. Then. Um, when you connect with people, do they approach you at all? Are you interesting to them? I mean, people are sending me messages, man, you have like a great name, funky marketing. I saw what you're doing. I saw that you are in demand generation. Can you point me to two links where I can learn more? Or uh, they are coming with, uh, with some specific questions. So all kind of different people and each steps creates like a, a new relationship. And your relationship is potential leading to a new client. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I just wanted to give the counterpart, right? Like you've, you've explained the attribution and, and yes, it's super important, but don't let attribution be your, your Bible, right? Like there's more to it than just what HubSpot's telling you. And if you're a good marketer and you're talking to salespeople and you're talking to clients and prospects, you, you'll get the right picture of where people are coming and what channels are working versus what need to be improved. Uh, and yeah, funky marketing is, is a great name. The, the most important question on today's episode is how can we get one of those t-shirts, man? Yeah, I did like 25, 25 of them uh, and 
they all got sold very fast. Uh, even people ask me, do we do we have more? So I think I need to I need to get get a few more. Now that we have actually a lot with this this one uh, happened like two and a half not two and a half year and a half ago when I was working in another in another company. So I just printed t-shirts for everybody working there and I give them funky marketing t-shirts. We have a question here in the chat that uh, if you want, we can jump into it right now because yeah, uh, you really touched on it before. Uh, maybe, we- maybe uh, she can come and uh, ask the question directly in the, sure. the video. Sure. Marianne, do you want to come in and Ask the question, don't, don't be shy. Yeah, hello everybody. Hey, how are you? Hi, uh, well, <clears throat> interestingly enough, Nemanja knew that I wasn't a, a, a male. <laughs> 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 okay, uh, yeah, um, I'm into this uh, webinar business. Um, um, I've, um, I've done some uh, free promotional stuff, uh, webinars on topics that I'm actually not dealing with, but uh, but I uh, like to delve into uh, certain things and like to research. And, and then I gave a talk on women in Adria. You may you may have you may know maybe about this uh, channel for for business women, uh, which was pretty great this was my first time that i had the opportunity to 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 present something to a few um well um, unknown people uh there they signed up uh, one prerequisite was of course to sign up on the webinar jam webinar jam i think is, is a very good tool because you can get you know the email addresses uh, first they, they they were pretty um reserved uh, the the organizer of uh, in the women at Nadia said that she wouldn't like to uh, condition uh, being part of the webinar with email address to uh, to share email addresses of, of the people but then okay she she conceded and um, and and I got these email addresses which I also used to uh, to to uh, used it to to target again for the next webinars which were not on that topic but uh, okay um, I'm doing on LinkedIn more more or less LinkedIn profiles. So uh, the issue is uh, I got good reactions to my first webinar on that, um, but I, I tried to do the next one. This was a paid one, of course, and then you you filter them out. You actually uh, see that people are unwilling, really unwilling to uh, to 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 make that. Well, it's not a sacrifice. Actually, you have to. You have to invest in education very much, but may- maybe they do not see any benefits of it. I don't know. So how to um, how to do it? How to, maybe I should pro- prolong this this path to to payment. So, so the question is, how can I make you know not make them? How can I um, construct this? Uh, buyer is it buyer buyer uh how do you call it in market marketing it's a path journey buyer's journey, buyer's journey. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah i understand what you, what you what you want to do marty maybe you want to go first yeah so just to like get clear on the question it's you did a webinar for free and it went well mm-hmm. and now you're trying to do another one paid right yes and, and then i'm guessing the number of invites has of uh, people coming to the webinar has gone down 
or H0, and you're asking how do we make a webinar page as successful as the first one. Is that correct? Yes, okay. It, it may, I'm, not, I'm not expecting to be as successful as right. the first maybe half of them to come or uh, even a third. So it's not after, you know, 100%, but... Right, no, I, we get it. Um, yeah, so just to give you some thoughts without knowing as much about the webinar and all that, but there's a couple of reasons I think why people don't pay, wouldn't pay for your webinar. I think one, they're the wrong people, right? The, the target audience that you went for is not willing to invest in education or it's not, doesn't have the income to invest in it. Um, so you need to look for a different target audience that has more resources to, to get paid. That works for whether it's a webinar or a client, like we found the same thing. Uh, so one, I would audit the target audience and make sure that they're the right fit for what you're selling and that, um, and that they can invest in it. The second thing, at, at that price point that, that you have said, which I'm not sure of, uh, the second reason I think can be the other possibility is that they don't see the value in joining, right? So that, that's the problem about marketing beforehand and providing value before the webinar that might have not been done to the extent where they're like so convinced that you can help them more that they are willing to invest. So usually the, the two problems that I, see, that I see when people don't buy something, whether it's a webinar or they don't want to sign for us as a client, it's they're the wrong people. Or two, we haven't done a good job in a marketing, from a marketing standpoint before because they don't see the value in what we're selling. So for us, it's usually been one of those two reasons, and it's a matter of auditing which one it really is. What do you think, Nemaya? Uh, I think we need to change completely the perspective. Uh, first of all, uh, webinars shouldn't be paid at all. They are not like the products. Why? Uh, they are just something that gets people to the point where, uh, where you get to sell them something. Uh, a video course can be a product or series of videos can be a product. Uh, webinar has a, a point of actually getting interested people in one place and uh, educating them about something. Usually how it goes at the end of the webinar, people uh, are trying to, to get them to, to sign up to something, to get them to buy something. That's how it usually goes. And usually, not usually, but most of the webinars sucks just because, because of that. Uh, why? Because uh, people who are coming to the paid webinar, they know that you will try to sell them something else. Or if uh, you are creating the webinar around promoting your product, they know that you will try to sell them something. Uh, how you can do it differently is doing something that uh, Marty and me are doing uh, right now. And it is like getting people to, uh, to a call or session or podcast, however do we call it, and giving them value with no hesitation. So week by week, people are coming here because they know that we are not trying to sell them anything. We are not going to follow up with an offer as people do when it comes to the, to the webinars. 
we are not going to uh, to trying to nurture you to buy something. It's not going to happen. We are just creating value, uh, getting the the right information to you so you can solve your problem, and people are appreciating that. And when you get enough uh, education, then you know who you will approach. So Marty is doing. Uh, working on personal brands for the SEOs, uh, CEOs, uh, doing content, doing some, some great stuff, you know you will approach to him when you, when you ha have a need for those kind of services. I'm doing something else, you will approach me when you need uh, some other services. Also, if you approach us and you need something that we are not doing, we are not gonna try to sell you on that services too. We're gonna direct you to somebody we think is uh, reliable and has a knowledge to uh, help you solve the problem. That's, that's how I see it. We need to change the perspective of how we look, look at things. I've been in uh, performance marketing for, for many years. Uh, the, my, my boss at that time was somebody who has done more than 2000 webinars in, in his in his life, he's the guy who did the most webinars, I think, not in Serbia, but all wider. And this is how he built his brand. This is how people know him. Dimitri, a guy who is doing like webinars or helping other people organize webinars. And uh, so basically, that's it. Just uh, use the webinar to educate people not trying to sell them something or not try to sell to sell the webinar webinar can be a good introduction in your case if you want to create like a series of video education so uh let's say five video education uh serial so you create a webinar where you explain what do you want to do you explain the problem you explain why did you decide to tackle that problem why this is something uh, that people need to invest to, and then like try to uh, to explain them how does it goes, and then just try step by step to get them to that point. Because um, uh, Marian, quick question: Do you sell them anything on the paid webinar? Like, is there like a service or another product that you're selling? Well, the introductory bit was uh, mostly I. It was also one hour long, and on webinar you can you can go for two hours webinar jam, and um, um, in this introductory part I show them actually the benef benefits and how important it is to um, optimize their LinkedIn profile. I talked about writing. I showed them some cases how not to do it, how to do it in English mostly, and then. Uh, in, in two weeks, I did this uh, call for the next webinar where we show at that, that this would be a workshop where we would be about three or four people uh, in one webinar where we will come up with a profile in English and the first post which will engage, you know, um, in which we, we shall try to interact with the um, with the people on uh, LinkedIn. And there were people who wanted this. Uh, but mainly these are foreigners, no one in Croatia, of course, <laughs> in Croatia. I mean, foreigners, 
um, well, there was a, a lady who, who wanted to, uh, he was very interested, but then, uh, but disappeared in a way. So <laughs> disappeared. And, and um, uh, there were people who were interested, but they maybe get the point that they can do it alone. But, but uh, first of all, they also, they also have to be linguistically also very uh, apt because uh, not many of them have good English. Uh, there and of course they sh they must be led in a way. So this workshop has outcomes. It has outcomes and and uh, it, it is a good starting point, of course. Yeah. They will see uh, a value for the money, of course. Look, I, I disagree a little bit with Nemanja here. I think if call it webinar, call it workshop, whatever you're doing, if there's a lot of value there and you believe in that wholeheartedly, like go ahead and sell it. Now the market's gonna tell you if they believe that there's value for that price or not. Right now it seems like they're telling you that there isn't. I'm not saying it's not working, but one, I'm saying, I do think it can be paid. And second, it seems like there's a marketing problem before the webinar that it's not bringing people enough value to consider taking the step to pay it. Um, so I'd say, I think I'd regroup a little bit, look at the audience that came in for the first webinar, look how you transition to, to the paid one and, and see what can you do to provide more value beforehand that people are willing to invest in their, in their education. But, but webinars can be paid in my opinion. I don't think you need to go. Yeah, uh, in, in this specific case, uh, basically you invited people who came to the free webinar to come to the paid webinar. I think that is, that is the main, the main difference. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, Nemanja, I think, he, do you know Jana Jovanovic? Yeah. Well, she is doing paid webinars on almost the same subject and, and for the price, which is five times more than mine. And she... Yanya, she, Yanya, has, a, Yanya has a brand. Right. Yeah, that's what we're has. saying on the marketing beforehand, I think. Yeah. I think that's, that's what we're coming around to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Let's, let's, let's move on. Maybe... Marty, is your chance to, to tell us a little bit about how CEOs can leverage LinkedIn? What are the main things that they need to do? Because I, I see this, this question uh, a lot on, on LinkedIn. Like every second day, I see somebody asking this question. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a good question, but I think we've mostly touched on the main principles behind it. Because the main principles work on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on any social media platform and any type of marketing, which is focused on building the brand. I was asked yesterday, uh, what should we do to assign high paying clients? And, and they were asking me about like outreach. The real question was about outreach strategies and like tips and tricks to sign high paying clients from LinkedIn, which obviously is at the end of the day what we all want to do, right? Like bring in revenue for our companies, whether you're a CEO or you're a marketer, uh, that, that's how we use this social media platform. Uh, but I don't think the solution is on outreach, automated strategies or having a virtual assistant going in and sending a thousand messages per day. I think it goes back to the core principles that we've touched on, not just today, but over the last 10 or 11 B2B weeklies that we've done, right? 
It's how do you build a brand, whether it's a personal or a company brand, and independently on what social media, how do you build a brand that people trust, that people see the value in, and that people want to approach to help uh, solve their issues. Um, I, I always talk about LinkedIn as a 24-7 business conference that's even now more than ever, right? Like with uh, COVID-19 and people working from home, there's no more conferences. There's no more events. There's no more, hey, can we chat for 15 minutes over coffee? It doesn't matter where you live in New York, in San Francisco. I'm in Barcelona. There's people here in Croatia. You're in Serbia. It doesn't matter where you are. It's a business conference. It's open for everybody. And that you can decide whether to be a speaker or you can be one of the guys sitting in the back looking at their notes and not caring about what's going on and not building any relationships. Um, I was reading the other day that only 2% of users on LinkedIn create content. So that means that 98% of people invited to this business conference are sitting and looking for content. Those are the people that you're going to sign. The 2% of people who decide to invest in creating content, whether they're hiring an agency like we are, or, or like you guys also, I'm sure you guys do, or they're doing it themselves. That's how you take the stand and how you start speaking to this business conference and sharing your expertise, your value, your lessons, um, and your success stories. Through content, you build a brand, and that brand is what eventually drives inbound opportunities, what makes people reach out to you, what creates referral partnerships, what creates uh, networking events, right? Like what we're doing right now. We met through LinkedIn, um, through engaging, and through content creation. So I, I could give five or six or seven or 50 tips on how to do that. But the main core values are focus on building a brand, create content to do that, actually share value that move conversations forward and helps your target audience and let that compound over time so that when you've done that consistently for a few months or even years, you're now creating a source of inbound revenue that can totally change your business if you're a CEO, or it can totally change your career if you're a marketer. Like, it's not just bringing clients. If, you start, if you're a marketer and start building your personal brand on LinkedIn, maybe two years from now, you get a, an offer for a new job that's your dream job with a much higher paying salary because of somebody who saw your LinkedIn post two weeks ago. So it's, re it's really important to understand what the circumstances are. But this is something that whether you're an employee, whether you're a CEO, or whether you're a company brand, uh, the main values apply to, to all of them. Sounds good. I, I agree with 100%. It's just easier than people make it look. Like Executing is complicated, but the strategy is simple. Yeah, no? yeah. That, that's it. Uh, I mean, it's... it's uh, it's easy to uh, do the execution when it comes to outreach because you are going generic, you are going wide and you cannot yeah. go like personal. When you, you, when you build a brand, I mean, it needs time. You need to hammer that daily. Yeah, you have, you have to tell your story every single day. You have to create content every single day. Um, and then there's certain trips and tricks, right? Like what we're doing right now, uh, it's a webinar podcast kind of thing that we're going to repurpose into content to save us time. So, so there's ways to speed up and make that process easy. But if you don't believe in the core values, 
and the core principles, then you're fucked because nothing else is going to work. Yeah. Uh, I think we can, we can continue with one more question. Uh, it adds to the, to the conversation. Uh, Eric Davidek, I think, if I'm pronouncing it right, uh, said, I'd love to hear your thoughts on setting expectations for sales cycle timeframe. I'm selling complex SaaS services to enterprise level clients, but my management is pushing for quick conversions. So that's, that's an interesting one. Uh, and it kind of uh, adds uh, additional layer to what we were talking about. So about going into content, creating, creating a brand, uh, creating a demand. Uh, sometimes you need to, uh, to amplify those things and get the content distribution to the right people and fasten up the um, consumption of the content. And in, in my case, what do we do? We usually ask people, uh, clients on, a, on a sales calls, how, how long uh, does their sales cycle last? Some of them know the, inf the data, some of them don't. Uh, like, it all depends how, uh, how complicated is, how complex is the, the service, how complex is the onboarding. Uh, a lot of things go into the equation. Uh, and let's say if, uh, if the sales cycle is a month, which in this case is 100% longer, but I'll just use it as an example. Uh, for what we do to work for the content inbound to work usually takes twice as long because when you when you sell something when somebody new comes as a salesperson they they have like at least uh, like a three months to start to selling something to get to the first sale uh, when it comes to marketing they don't usually give us that leverage, but it takes actually twice as long. So what do we do? We use, use uh, Facebook ads, Instagram ads to get the right content to the right people faster. So using uh, researches, case studies, uh, short articles in the form of the news, when we are going directly to the, to the point, consumable in up to uh, like, three minutes and we get the right content to the right people. That's how we uh, fasten up the consumption and the education of the people. One other thing that also goes into that is what, uh, what Marty mentioned just in a different way. Like you can always uh, invite uh, CEOs, decision makers, or somebody who's going to use your product uh, on, a, on a podcast, in an interview, on a virtual coffee, um, ask them all the questions that you need so you can uh, sell them your product, um, get them through each stage of the buyer's journey on the call, make them talk about that. Uh, then when, you, when you're done, they will feel obliged to share it because uh, they're talking about themselves right then other people from the company will see it 
then you will uh, cut it in uh, in at least five pieces of content that are targeting different stages in a buyer's journey, and uh, you're going to use some of them uh, on your personal profile. You're going to use uh, pieces of content where they are talking uh, on your company page, and also you're going to share. Uh, with them these five or six pieces so they can use them on their profile and this is how you shorten up the the sales cycle and you get to the to the to the sale faster than it usually goes that makes a lot of sense the the thing is i think the question was about managing expectations with with the manager right so um that makes sense in terms of like how how do you speed the the sales process, which I totally agree, um, and I do think that especially paid ads can be like the fire that make like the fuel that makes the fire burn faster. But um, in terms of setting expectations with managers, I think that's a bit more complicated. A, a different co- a question. Um, you've worked inside a company before, I haven't, so. I'm not that sure of how to manage this office politics, but would love to hear your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, uh, there are a few ways if uh, in which you can you can deal with that. Actually, how I'm uh, dealing with that. First one is uh, you can try to explain how things are using facts, bringing actually solutions. Uh, and you need to approach it from their perspective, so uh, so they can they can understand it. Because a lot of times marketing is hard to understand. It might seem simple, but it's uh, it's not, and often is counterintuitive. So some things that we think are working this way aren't working, and it's hard to explain. I mean, uh, like two months ago. Uh, we were like white labeling uh, for for a UK broadband company, and uh, the CEO was somebody who is uh, an engineer who knows everything about broadband, about technology, about uh, in that uh, in that context, and. It took like two months for us to explain him, uh, to explain to him at least get close to explaining how Google ads are working, how SEO is working, how Facebook ads are working, uh, and it's hard. And it it's uh, it gets a lot of energy, and uh, but sometimes you need to do it. You need to get deep into it and try to explain. Uh, what you can do, you can do something on a side as an experiment, a little experiment, and actually come with results if the results are great uh, for what you want to uh, to get. You can use that to kind of show like, I, look, I did, I did this on the side uh, and it gave great results. Why don't we try the same uh, on the larger scale and see if, if it gets us somewhere? Those are the things that can work. Uh, in other cases, you need to know when you need to quit. If expectations are not uh, like uh, lowering, 
even though you are trying to explain, even doing something uh, on your hand uh, outside of uh, of everything that you are doing for the company, just to to get uh, the results that you can bring in and explain. Then at some point you just need to uh, to say, okay, this is not the company I want to be in. Um, I cannot get along with. With this guy, with decision maker, he has some other goals, some other views on certain things. And if you don't do that, uh, you will just get like burned out trying to to uh, go by somebody else's unrealistic uh, expectations. Yeah, yeah, it's tough because I mean, this doesn't really make much sense to me because if he's working there and the sales cycle so far has been like six months. Like I, I understand the idea to reduce it, which is what we answer first, right? A lot of content, a lot of mm -hmm. um, education and, and getting people inbound. But, but it's hard to understand how somebody's expectations can be so apart from what's been working for the company for the last whatever long company has been in that this guy has to manage a way to to manage his expectations. So, so yeah, it's complicated. I, th I think education. Uh, sorry, I just saw that there is, uh, he added also something to, to that, uh, mm -hmm. some context. He said, we're also in a, in the middle of a rebrand, a website rebuild and have zero supporting sales materials. Yeah. I think it, it just looks like a whole mess to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it looks like it's not his whole, and he's doing what he can. Like, if, if you're doing through rebranding, you probably should not even be marketing because you don't know what you're marketing. And if you don't have any sales materials, it's going to be hard to educate your clients. So, I don't know. Try to get out, I'm guessing, is my advice. Or, or wait it out and see what happens. But, but yeah, it looks, it looks like a firehouse right now. Yeah, cool. Uh, I think that's it for like LinkedIn questions. If somebody here on a call has uh, has a question, maybe we can answer answer that either now or or next week. But awesome! It, it was a pleasure, like always, Nemaya, talking to you. Yeah, same, same. same uh, also, I I want to say something like. Uh, we are working on getting the materials and to uh, start posting this as an audio format. Mm. So as a podcast, I think that will be live in like from now to up to two weeks. It all depends. It can be like in five days. It can be in up to two weeks. I don't want to, to give like false promises, but we're going to do that. And it's going to be all around on every... Uh, on all every, streaming platforms. All streaming platforms, yeah. Those <laughs> are the words I was, I was looking for. Uh, thanks, everyone, for being here. Uh, the video will be live on YouTube, I think, on Monday evening, if Marty sends. <laughs> so, Probably Tuesday. Probably Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So uh, that's it. I think it was uh, great chatting about different topics. We have topics for the, for the other uh episodes too some of them are complex some of them aren't and i think uh it's just gonna go upstream from here 
Awesome. Thank you guys for joining. We'll see you next week, Wednesday, 6 p.m. Bye. Bye-bye.